Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is uh, Abdullah uh, with Sunny on Primitive Thoughts, and today we have a special guest, Imam Zawud Walid. Uh, Imam Zawud Walid, uh, an older brother uh, to me. Whenever I need advice, whenever I need anything, um, every time I've called on him, within minutes, uh, he's uh, he's responded and he's come through. Um, and today, when I uh, when I asked him to be a guest on our podcast, it was it was exactly the same. Uh, just as a little introduction to Imam Dawood, um, Imam Dawood Walid, uh, an activist, an author, a scholar, a lot of feathers under his belt, mashallah. Um, but And he also serves as the executive director at uh, CARE uh, Michigan. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's an honor to have you, Imam. Alhamdulillah. It's great being here. Alhamdulillah. Walaikum salam, flowerket. I'm going to jump into the topic, and yeah. it's going to be extremely controversial. And mm-hmm. uh, I things, love controversy. Things, <laughs> <laughs> things may get heated. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it stems from the fact, uh, all these things happening in the news, which, which we will get into. Mm-hmm. But I want to deal with it. I want to I wanna approach this topic from, uh, from our own. Because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, whether we admit it or not, we as Muslims in general are racist. And it became very, very apparent just a few nights ago. Mm. Um, we in Ann Arbor, we celebrate uh, Eid based on global moon sighting. Month mm-hmm. of Ramadan and everything based on global moon sighting. This, uh, for, for this Eid, we uh, got news from uh, that the moon was sighted in the African Horn region. Mm-hmm. Somalia, mm-hmm. Kenya, Ethiopia, Mauritania, etc. Now, us following Global Moon Sighting, we verified the sources. It took us hours. I think we received the news like around uh, uh, 5, 6 o'clock. From then, we were making phone calls, trying to get connected to the people in Somalia. We eventually got connected to them. They verified the sightings for us, and we ended up announcing Eid based upon our principles of Global Moon Sighting. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened? People, there was an uproar. Uh, you know, when did we start following Africa? When did we start following black people? These were statements which were said to me. I, I have text messages which I can show you. Just go on our mm-hmm. Facebook page. When, uh, when we announced it on our social media and those comments are still there, they're not deleted. SubhanAllah. There's a person, there's multiple people that commented, oh, so when do we follow Africa? Since, since when do we follow African countries? When do we follow those people? Mm. Now, this is a Facebook, this is a public Facebook page. You are not just representing yourself. You're representing the Muslim. You're representing Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. You're representing the Muslims of Ann Arbor. Mm. And you have the audacity to say, when, since when do we follow African people? Mm. When do we follow those people? Right? Had it been from the Middle East, no one would have any objection to it. Mm-hmm. Those who follow global moon sighting, you know, a lot of people change their principles, by the way. Mm-hmm. Those who follow global moon sighting switch to calculations. They, they 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 added uh, certain restrictions to their to their criteria and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, and I don't want it to be a theological issue. But many people change their principles just due to the fact that it was from an African country. Mm-hmm. And then people started saying, "Oh, those aren't our scholars. Mm-hmm. Those aren't our people." Mm-hmm. Right? What does that even mean? Right, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're more learned than I am, but isn't this what the Prophet Wasallam broke 1,400 years ago? Right, this mentality? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasimun kathirun da'imun abada. So let me say that um, that situation that took place here, it's it's sad, but it really doesn't surprise me. Mm. And... Um, and we mentioned about the Prophet trying to break up this type of tribalistic mentality. If we want to really boil things down, and of course we know there's the macro level, but in this particular issue we're talking about type of Arab chauvinism. Mm-hmm. And if we were to be honest about Islamic history, after those first righteous Khulafa, and we went and, and then going into the later Khulafa of Ben Umayyah, which is mm-hmm. after the, 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 the rightly guided um, um, caliphs and then Bani Abbas we see that much of the Arab chauvinism 
had come back into the community full-fledged. Since we have Harakat al-Shu'ubiya uh, that took place during Bani Abbas, and we had the, the Persians, which, by the way, the Persians were, were they were Sunnis back then, by the way. Mm -hmm. they, they weren't, yeah, they weren't yeah. Shia. They, they were Sunnis back then, the, the vast majority, uh, began to have anti-Arab thoughts because they felt like they were being treated second-class Muslims. Mm -hmm. We have a Thawta Zanj, which is also very famous in the time of the Abbasian, uh, of when poor Arabs in the southern part of Iraq, along with the what's called Zunuj, of the black people from the eastern part of Africa who embraced Islam were treated like second-class Muslims. Mm -hmm. And they uh, did an uprising um, uh, against Bani Abbas. So this... They, these things were in Islamic history uh, 1,200 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so these aren't new occurrences. And it's unfortunately, we do have this uh, amongst Muslims, both by some who are Arabs, but also some who are non-Arabs who actually think the proverbial water of the Arabs is cooler than others. Mm -hmm. We look in uh, Eritrea, for instance. This is the land of Anajashi, Habasha, mm -hmm. right? I was just watching something a couple of days ago, but uh, a uh, relating to a, a BBC documentary by this sister named uh, Zainab Bedoui. He was high, and she highlighted this. We already knew this, but there were people who accepted Islam, and Islam and the prayers established itself first in the modern day land of Eritrea in, in, in Ethiopia before the Hijra to Medina. Mm -hmm. before there was Islam in Oman, before there was Islam established in Yemen, right? Mm -hmm. So Sahaba are buried right there in Eritrea right now. There's yes. a maqam there of when Sahaba made Salah, where Jafar and Talib mm -hmm. right? Like it, the Islamic tradition, they have ulama, and they have people from Gretchen Azhar, from Jamatul Medina. The scholars in Somalia and Eritrea, Ethiopia and Kenya... Uh, uh, they know what they're doing. So when people say, well, since when do we follow uh, Africans or when uh, we have our own scholars? Well, these scholars are credited from the same institutions mm -hmm. as the Arab scholars. Exactly. In many cases, some of these scholars... Are even more qualified. More qualified and excelled the scholars from Nejd. Uh -huh. they, 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 they surpassed them in learning. Even uh, uh, Sheikh Al-Harari, who died last mm -hmm. year... He was the foremost... Oh, by the way, you know that uh, Sheikh Abdullah means the father-in-law? Yes, I do know. Yeah. Okay. He was the wow. foremost Shafi uh, authority in the Hijaz mm -hmm. to the point that, uh, and I was told this by Sheikh Khalid, may Allah preserve him. Amen. Uh, Amin, when I was there a couple of years ago and we were talking, he said that one uh, person who was in, uh, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the area in Mecca went all the way to visit the uh, the Grand Mufti of Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. and had some questions for him, very technical questions. And uh, allegedly, or reportedly, the Grand Mufti of Saudi Arabia said, why did you come to see me to ask me this question when one who's more learned than me is in the same city you live in, in Mecca? And that's mm -hmm. Sheikh Al-Harari, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So he's known to be like uh, one of the top scholars of the Hijaz. And where is he from? And, He's from Habasha, exactly. right? He's, 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 he's uh, Ethiopian. The scholars, the scholars so, are Mauritania. <coughs> yeah. Right? They're known <coughs> for the knowledge. This second to none. Yes. Right? Just mm -hmm. second to none. Yes. Uh, so it just amazes me. The thing is... It's, 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 racism. Ex it's racism. And there's no other way you can it's do racism. it. racism. But what I... You know, the, and the impression that, that, you know, that I was fooling myself with was that the more educated you get, the more educated a person is he leaves behind that baggage or he leaves behind that backwards thinking. Yeah. That's not the case, man. Even the Sahaba, the Prophet ﷺ called them out on it. Mm. In order to in order to eradicate that behavior, he called them out on it. Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu and Bilal radiallahu anhu. When they got into the argument and uh, uh, he told Bilal radiallahu anhu that uh, Ya ibn Sauda. Ya ibn Sauda. Right? Yeah. He's like, yeah. you know, you're, you're the son of an African woman. Technically, he was right. Yeah. Right, if you look at it, he you know he's African. His mother was African too, mm -hmm. and Abu Dhar could have justified it. A lot of people justify it, right? A lot of people just try try justifying the racism that they have, right? Oh, I didn't mean it like that, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with African people per se, but why didn't Saudi cite it then, right? It's like like foolish things like that, stupid yeah. statements like that, yeah. right? So he could have justified it too to the Prophet, right? 
I didn't lie. All right, he is a, he is African, but the Prophet told him that you still have ignorance in you. Yeah. Right. That that behavior which I'm trying to eradicate from you, you still gotta work on that. All right. So that's something the Prophet the last sermon of the Prophet in Hajjat al Wida, right, where he told people. And once and for all, he told them that, you know, there's no preference over that Arab has over uh, Ajam or a red has over a black. Yeah. Right. Like, except for something which me and you cannot judge. And that's a taqwa. That's a relationship an individual has with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the only thing that can differentiate me and you is our relationship with Allah. But that's something me and you don't even know about. Exactly. All right. Um, The first racist. Who was the first racist? Are you, like, I, I, I was actually thinking about this a while ago. But who was the first person to actually display this behavior? Well, we have in our in our tradition, as uh, related by as the Mahshari, that the first racist, according to Sayyidina Ali ibn Talib, Karamlahu uh, Waja, is Iblis. Exactly. And it's the commentary of the Ayah of the Quran where Iblis said, he says that I am better than him. I'm speaking of Adam alayhi salam because you created me of fire. He's speaking to Allah, but you, but you, but you created him of, of the dirt. And Sayyidina Ali, he said of this of Iblis, he called him Imam uh, al-Muta'asibin, al-Mustakbirin, that he is the Imam of the tribalists, or the Imam of the races. And he is the Salaf, or the predecessor of those who were ignorant, who who or arrogant, who displayed their arrogance and tried to dominate others, thinking that they're better, right? So, uh, and this is the connection that we have between racism and arrogance. And the mm-hmm. Iblis, of course, was too arrogant to to the point that he disobeyed Allah Azza wa Jalla in the command. So, Iblis is the father of racism, and actually. Uh, my good friend Dr. Bilal Ware he's mm. doing well he's out in California now I, we, I we miss him a lot being him. here in Michigan uh, may Allah preserve him but he said that um, he said that no that racism is satanic religion mm. and he he said that racism is more spiritually dangerous than eating a ham sandwich mm. and there's reason for this right because if one eats khanzir, this is a thumb or a sin between uh-huh. you and Allah because you disobeyed the command, but it affects you. You uh-huh. ate the, you ate the ham sandwich. Mm-hmm. But he says that when one is, is racist, that uh, it affects the racist uh, spiritual state, but it also causes, causes harm to other people. Uh-huh. So he says that as Allah is al-Ghafur, he's the most forgiving, he's also al-Muqsid. He's the one that will bring justice. So uh-huh. any harm that is brought to one of, uh, of Ibar Rahman in this dunya, if it's not taken care of in the dunya, Allah will make sure the person gets justice in the akhirah. So hence he says that racism is more dangerous than eating a ham sandwich. Mm. I mean, spiritually speaking. Uh-huh. And for one's akhirah, it's more dangerous. So he said we shouldn't take it lightly. This is what Dr. Ware uh, said, and I, I love this explanation. So a person, basically a person who's being racist or displaying racist qualities or having racism in his heart, he's following shaitan. He's in the middle of Iblis, yes. He's in the middle of Iblis. Simply put. That's it. Um, And it's something we don't like. No one is going to ever admit. Muslims, we're never going to admit that we have bias. We uh, actually will talk about biasness in a second. But that we are are racist, man. We are Mm -hmm. Muslims in general. We have issues with other races, not just that, with other ethnicities, with other tribes even. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think we contribute to the fact, uh, instead of being a a solution to everything that's happening in the world, uh, we are contributing and allowing for it to happen. We are are allowing for all of these things. What happened to George Floyd? What happened to Ahmed Arbery Mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago? Uh, these con- you know cons- constantly one case after the other and it just becomes repetitive mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we are contributing to the, our ideology our thought process our thinking is contributing to that right what do you think well this this may sound a little uh, radical to the listeners but uh, I will say this that when we as a people do not 
obey the commandment of Allah and we are filled up with spiritual maladies that there then becomes not only spiritual consequences but uh, social, social, sociological or sociopolitical consequences and we get punished by Allah from our disobedience mm -hmm. and for our lack of, of action to set things aright so perhaps uh, 45 being in the Oval Office, in effect, is a type of bala mm. on the society and a bala for the Muslims, right? Because uh, for a long time, Muslims, we've, we've and, and, and that's when I keep it uh, 100 with you, I'll keep it real with you, is that for a large segment of the Muslim community, things such as racism was never an issue that we talked about ever pre-9-11. Mm. But then after certain demographics of the Muslim community started getting uh, the foot of the government or the foot of the so-called white man on our necks. And we talk about Islamophobia, xenophobia, and anti-Arab racism, and then racism against South Asians. Then all of a sudden, we get all energetic about talking about racism and Islamophobia mm -hmm. and such and such. Mm -hmm. But when we come here, and we're very comfortable with it beforehand, when you have almost four centuries of systemic and overt racism against the native people who live in this land who got ethnically cleansed mm -hmm. and the African people who were brought here treated like animals mm -hmm. up to 30% of them Muslims and really a large percentage of our community didn't say anything didn't care then perhaps mm -hmm. what has befallen us to this day with 45 and the so-called Muslim ban and the travel ban and all of this increased Islamophobia, maybe our inaction of Muslims that maybe we helped, maybe we're reaping somewhat what we sowed. Mm -hmm. And Allah Do you enjoin piety and justice for others, yet you forget it for yourselves? Mm -hmm. But you recite the book. Don't you have any intelligence? Don't you, Allah said, don't you have any sense? Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? So mm -hmm. maybe we're getting just a little bit of taste right now, of of, of what we uh, of what we've sown. We're reaping what we sow in a sense, and we have to adjust ourselves. Adjust our lens. Yeah, we have to mm -hmm. adjust ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Check Absolutely. ourselves. Absolutely. And uh, in, in the light of um, you know what you these cases, George Floyd and Ahmed Aubrey. Um, I don't know if you guys are uh, uh, <laughs> if you guys listen to Snoop Dogg or not, but um, you know he made an Instagram post. And, and it really resonated with me. I'm just going to read it, you know, word for word. Uh, and this was uh, a, a, with respect to the Ahmed Aubrey case. Yeah, a lot of guys, Snoop. Snoop had declared Islam at one time. Now <laughs> he's a roster. He's he's everywhere. He's smoking weed again. Me a lot of guys, Snoop. He's trying. He's trying to get. Yeah, he is. Although, what, yeah. he's trying to get close to Allah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, his way of getting yeah. close. But go ahead, finish with Snoop. But um, he said, you know, they didn't make arrests because they saw the video. Yeah. They made the arrests because we saw the video. That's correct. Remember that. And when I'm looking at the timeline of the Ahmed Aubrey case, he's absolutely correct. That video was out for at least, uh, I mean, I mean, for one to two weeks. The state of Georgia did nothing while that video was out. No. Mm -hmm. Not at all. And, and you know, I, I was thinking about it. Why exactly? I mean, you know, they were going to write that off as self-defense or, or, or protecting the community. And that, to me, just makes no sense. I can, I'm looking at that video. I can make at least three cases as to why... Uh, that isn't self-defense. That why that's not like protecting the community. C case one, choice of firearm. I don't know about you, Imam Dawood, but like me and Mufti, we know dudes who carry, right? Yeah. And so when you carry in the name of uh, self-defense, you carry a nine millimeter, you carry a Glock, you ca you carry some light, you carry mm -hmm. something that you can put a holster. That man had a rifle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was. He went hunting. Yeah. You don't. You don't carry a rifle. Humans. You don't carry a rifle in the name of self-defense. You carry a rifle when you got a target in mind. Yeah. That's case one. Case two, if it was self-defense, the quote-unquote threat was running away from you. Would it not be logical to just stay in your house? Mm. Case three, um, what's it called? Uh, and this is what the murderers, they, they said that this is what they were trying to do. They were like, oh, he fit the, the profile. We, we heard an a, a APB or, or uh, um, I'm not sure what, what the technical term. And one didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, yeah, we heard the uh, uh, um, call, like, you know, be on the lookout for this dude. Mm -hmm. And so we took action on our own hands in the name of protecting our community. Yeah. No, no, no. If you had, if you had justice in your heart and justice in your intentions, you would have called it in. Right? <clears throat> but if you mm -hmm. had 
hatred in your hearts, hatred in your intentions. You would have gotten in your truck, you would have gotten your three boys, you would have recorded it, and you would have killed them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at the the you know the, this video, and I'm just thinking, how could this? How could the state of Georgia? How could the prosecutors? How could anyone not take action? And you know, I, I kept thinking about it, and I came to the conclusion that they weren't able to take action because they saw a part of themselves in them, a part of that racism and inhumanity and, and hatred that was in the, the the hearts and minds of Ahmed Aubrey's murderers. Mm-hmm. A part of that lied within uh, lies within the the state of Georgia, and that must be scary. For a person of color, especially an African American living in the state of Georgia, to know that this is this is what's in the hearts of your uh, uh, of your prosecutors, your law enforcement. Well, let me say this: that can happen in any of the fifty states. True. So we right, shouldn't make right. it Georgia specific. Number right, one. Right. You're right. You're number right. two, that guy uh, had relationships with the with the police and the sheriff department or the the prosecutors because he himself. You know, in his his former professional background, right? So oh, he was. Yeah. So oh. so so those people who are in law enforcement who used to work with prosecutors and our police officers, there's a type of wall where they protect each other to, to begin with. Even well, if the racial even if the racial factor wasn't there, but now for the very um, moment that you talked about it, that is true. That guy didn't have weapons of self-defense. He went mm-hmm. go. He went to go hunting, mm-hmm. and if that was uh, an APB for someone white, he wouldn't have been doing that. Doing that, but there was no, there was no incidences. From my understanding of the case, there were no break-ins in that area to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Those people went hunting, and. Um, they're probably, they, if, if, if one were to research their background, if they're not active Klan members, I'm sure that that guy's father or grandfather were part of the Georgia Ku Klux Klan. I, I, I have little doubt about that, right? Um, I don't really know what else to say, but it's, it's of no surprise to me. I think that the, the, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, had that video not been leaked um, we wouldn't have known but we still don't know justice is going to be served because we don't even know these people get prosecuted and found guilty mm-hmm. like there's been charges but will they be found guilty by a so called jury of their peers that's even questionable mm-hmm. you know because history is in favor of the shooters because overwhelmingly when white people kill black people Overwhelmingly, the the, the 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 predominance is they get acquitted, they get let go, they don't get convicted. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something we just have to be aware of. So we we can't get overly, we can't think justice, at least earthly justice. We know Allah is going to take care of everybody, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to get their mm-hmm. justice. The real Supreme Court is Akhirah. Uh But the other point is, we have to ask ourselves: How many Ahmed Abaris have been killed? In a similar fashion that we don't know their names, countless, countless, and that's and that's the real that's the real issue. We just know about this one person, but this has been an ongoing reality in the United States of America for decades and decades, and it never stopped. And this guy just had a an idiot friend who was an attorney who who put the video out there, thinking that it was going to. Um, that if people saw it, that it was going to basically strengthen the position of his friends. <laughs> um, and he honestly thought that, right? It's repetitive behavior of just favoring, favoring that particular race. Mm-hmm. Fa- favoring that particular race. Um, yeah, just uh, with this George Floyd murder, um, white people in the state house, they can scream at officers, but when African Americans are protesting, or people of cur- color in general are protesting on the streets. Mm. They are getting tear gassed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, in Michigan, they went to the state capitol three different times with AR-15s, mm-hmm. bull pumps, mm-hmm. with nooses. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and nothing happened to them. Yeah, no, they had literal posters. 
yeah. uh, 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 of them saying what they would do. Yeah. And that in itself is a hate crime. I don't know why the... No, we do, we do know why the police didn't take action. We know Let's why. Let's be real. We know why. We, we know why. I, I was just... I, and I was saying this to, to one of my friends. I said, I said, just imagine if you had some out from Dearborn who had went up there carrying some guns. Oh, they would have been shot dead. Mm-hmm. They would have been, been seen as being terrorists. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking about it. It would have made it would have made national news. You, you guys, you guys uh, kept up with the Amy uh, Cooper incident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not what happened. Uh, what happened in Central Park? Um, a woman, uh, Amy Cooper, she was walking her dog, and uh, the dog was unleashed. So it was an African American uh, uh, gentleman. Uh, he was a, he was a bird watcher, right? This is what he does. He watches birds. Mm. Uh, he asked her, can you uh, leash your dog? Can you put him on a leash? Mm-hmm. And she ends up calling the authorities on him. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, it's r- ridiculous, right? Um, and, and come to find out that... Uh, he, d- did she end up calling the police or was she uh, uh, threatening to call the police? She actually did call oh, the wait, police. Oh, wait, no, yeah. I, I saw I the video. Yeah, yeah. She, she started on, um, what's it called? She was just like, yeah, he's harassing me. He's threatening me. He's doing all right. She was just, and then she tried to scream out like she actually, like she was like her life was being threatened. Yeah, she was. And his whole thing was that the birds again, the birds get disturbed by the behavior of the dog. That it's a protected mm-hmm. area. Just leash your dog, and yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. No, no offense. No, no, no being, uh, you know, uh, coming on to her strong or even you know, uh, hurling abuse at her. Just in a in, in a calm manner. I know he was uh, a good uh, distance away from her too. With the CDC leash your dog. Uh, my my question uh, uh, to you guys is this: uh, This uh, is Amy Cooper a consequence of Donald Trump, or is Donald Trump a consequence of Amy Cooper's? Hmm. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. This like behavior it. is it a consequence of Donald Trump, or is you know the vice versa? Uh, Donald Trump is a is a is a in my opinion he is just a symptom of a bigger disease and mm-hmm. he is a consequence of people like her and it even far outstretches America it's something that's part of why I can say the Western colonizer mentality because this Amy Cooper is actually Canadian mm-hmm. she lives in America but she's Canadian mm-hmm. so it's, it's not as if she you know, live south of the Mason-Dixon line and, like, around a whole bunch of uh, hillbillies and rednecks. And also, she's supposedly a so-called liberal or so-called progressive. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what Malcolm X said, Rahmatullah Ali, over 55 years ago. He says, you have the so-called conservative is the wolf and the so-called liberal is the fox. Mm-hmm. He says, but both of them, if you have a chicken coop, they both will eat your chickens. Mm-hmm. He said, but the wolf howls. So, see, so Trump... He's a wolf. Mm-hmm. But then you have some of these so-called liberals who are just as racist, but they, they smile and they show their teeth like, mm-hmm. like they're progressive and nice. They, they, they show their teeth like how a fox does. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they, they're just sly. They're just sneaky with their racism. Mm-hmm. But, they, but they will do just as much harm. Basically, when push come to shove, the inner you is going to come out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Because, because at the end of the day, the inner you or the inner, the inner trait of the wolf and the inner trait of the fox is they both love devouring chickens. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. their inward state, mm-hmm. right? And it's the same thing with them. It's the same case with Muslims as well. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that thing you were saying about biasness? Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't quite catch that point. You were talking about it before we, uh, before we started. Right, right. Um, so there's a professor of psychology at uh, Stanford. Um, her name is Dr. Jennifer L. Eberhardt. Um, she wrote an amazing book on bias and how that plays into corporate America and, and how bias is intertwined with uh, police brutality. And so she was actually on the Trevor Noah show. Um, and on, on the show, they, they discussed uh, uh, the nuances of bias uh, and how it plays into our society. And so she goes on to say that, you know, sometimes an individual may not be racist, but they will have implicit biases which guide their actions and so in in the case of police brutality um you know she says what we notice is that 
when there is a uh, intense situation, a stressful situation, uh, a situation where they have to act fast, think fast, um, there is a implicit bias which is triggered, which is turned on, which causes them to react in an aggressive manner, uh, uh, in a fight or flight response, which causes them to put their hand on their holster, and it just causes them to uh, react aggressively. And so this bias, it exists because, uh, she, she claims it exists um, because there is a huge association in our country, our society, um, there's a huge uh, association and, and correlation between blackness and crime, blackness and violence. And so it's that association which plants the seeds of bias in these officers' minds. So when they are dealing in these uh, uh, intense situations, when they are uh, pulling over a, 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 a black individual, when they're stopping a black individual on the streets, they're more quickly to pull, put their hand on the trigger. They're more quickly, they're more likely, they're more susceptible, susceptible to pulling over someone who's black, um, even if they have uh, no reason. Or, uh, or just, they're more susceptible to act in, in, a, in a violent and more aggressive way. And so what I wanted to ask you, uh, Imam Dawood, is because I know uh, you, you work with CARE a lot, and this is something that you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're trying to address, but... Um, like I said earlier, this, these bias exists because of that correlation between blackness and crime, uh, blackness and violence. Now, Dr. Uh, Ebenhart, she claims that you know we can negate a lot of these police brutality cases. We can avoid them if we enact bias training, diversity training into these uh, 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 into the police academies. Um, and I agree with her. I think that's a huge step and. Saving a lot of lives. Now, like I said earlier, um, these biases are planted because of our, our association between blackness and crime, blackness and violence. And so I wanted to ask you, what can we do? Right? What can we do to reduce the, the uh, stereotypes uh, associating blackness with crime, associating blackness with violence? Okay, so I think there's three points. So one point, you mentioned diversity training. And this is something that is um, that comes from the outside. And then I think there's other two other points because when we look at things holistically about change, social change and transformation, things have to be addressed intellectually with what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's also the physical or the or the social, and that has to be addressed. But there's also the there's also the spiritual. Mm -hmm. So there are all three of these have to be addressed, just like how we have Islam, Iman, and Isan, right? So there's different things that have to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So in, in the book Sifatul uh, Safwa by Ibn Ibn Jawzi Al Hambali, he has a statement of Sayyidina Ali Ibn Abi Talib that says, "An nas jahilu," that people are enemies of what they're ignorant of, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. part of dealing with this jahil of this ignorance is giving them proper information, right? So this helps uh gets rid of their some of their animosity or some of their adversarial behavior or at least sentiments so that, that's the diversity of sensitivity training mm -hmm. then there's a socialization piece that helps with this and uh we see this mentioned in the quran uh in more than one place but in Surah Al-Hujurat, that Allah specifically says He created us differently in the nations and tribes. Mm -hmm. Then He says, Li ta'arafu, right? In order that you may get to know one another. So in order to have this ta'araf, there has to be some socialization to get to know the other. And this is part of the blessing, at least the old days of Mount Arafah, is the area of ta'araf, that you get to see everyone. You don't see them in their tribal dress, mm -hmm. but you walk around and talk to different people. And this is how the ulama from different parts before we had cell phones and before we had computers, how the scholar from Pakistan would communicate with the scholar from Malaysia and the scholar from I, Malaysia I've never would talk, would talk never to the scholar that. from Tanz from Tanzania and how the from Dar es Salaam would speak to the scholar from Mauritania, they would all get together on Jabal Arafah. Everyone's that's the place dressed the same. Everyone's dressed mm. the same, but you get to know the different people, the different hujas in different areas, because this is the one time when all the ummah is together. Mm -hmm. Right? Alhamdulillah. So, this, there's socialization. But the other part is, 
is addressing the issue of fear. And this, mm. and this is something that a person has to see in themselves. When we have spiritual remedies that the spiritual doctors have taught us about how to deal with the issue of health. Because our goal, and excuse me if, I, if, I, if I'm sounding too uh, uh, sawfish or Sufi-ish <laughs> in this, right? Excuse me for the listeners. But, I mean, this is my, I believe in this that the ayah of the Qur'an, if, we, if, if our goal is to be beloved to Allah, or if we want to obtain the station of wilaya with Allah Azza wa Jal, right? Now Allah Azza wa Jal says, right? So surely the friends of Allah, the painters of Allah, no fear is upon them, nor should they grieve. And this is a maqam or something that one first reaches in this life, the experience and then of course there's no fear no grief in the next life in the akhirah for for the awliya of Allah now and I'm sorry for this is like being like um, too too long no, no, in an explanation but this issue of of, of of khawf or this issue of fear we don't fear the past we fear what's to come in the future hmm. it's the fear of the unknown we grieve that which took place in the past Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? But we fear that. So how do we deal with this issue of fear of replacing this fear that we have of creation and this irrational fear of the creation and center that fear properly to fear of the creator? This takes Tezgia, right? And I'm convinced that when Malcolm X, Rahmatullah came back from Hajj and said that perhaps if white America studied Islam, Mm-hmm. If America say Islam, that it would help cure the race problem in America. I believe that he meant Islam in its total package. Mm-hmm. Not just aqidah, not just in fiqh, but also in spiritual purification. Mm-hmm. And this is something that the Muslims need too. Because sometimes I, I've, I've felt this over the years, and this is why I've changed some of my emphasis. Is that I believe that even as a Muslim community, how we haven't dealt with the issue of race problem in the community is we become... We became so preoccupied with aqidah and fiqh that we neglected tazkiyah. And Islam is a full package, mm-hmm. right? So we can't neglect. We have to give even t- we have to give equal time to all of that. Aqidah is important. Fiqh is important. Mm-hmm. And the third part that needs equal attention is spiritual purification. Mm-hmm. And we have to deal with this issue of khawf, really, right? Mm-hmm. So this, this is my belief. Mm. So although a person knows based on his aqidah, based on his hadith, and based on, based on his fiqh. That's right. That this is right, this is wrong. Right. He can't, that biasness comes out because that self is not purified from inside. Mm. Right. right. And because the Prophet wasallam, we know in the hadith about oh, this, absolutely. that if one part of the body is sound, right, <laughs> that the rest of the body will be okay. But if one part of the body is diseased, it's going to affect the rest. And that's mm. the heart. So, Intellectually speaking, we could have all the knowledge and we can quote the hadith and we can say, Oh, I love Bilal. Mm-hmm. You know, and this I've heard this a lot, by the way, too. I gave a khutbah in, uh, in Shaykh al-Muharram. I gave the khutbah in, um, at, at, at the uh, an Islamic Center in Baltimore and I mentioned this issue and uh, about the police brutality in Baltimore. And I, I made mention of it in the khutbah. Mm-hmm. And so this uncle came to me afterwards and said, you know, you have to waste your time talking about racism in the khutbah, you know, because, you know, because the prophet said to Bilal, you know, they solved that, you know, that's all, you know, that, that, you know, that was already solved when, when the prophet told Bilal to call the Adan al-Kaaba, that was all solved. <laughs> <laughs> that was all solved. He told me the racism problem was solved. So I said, so I was like, uncle, I'm like, yeah, I said, it was solved in Islam. I said, but just like the Quran prohibits ghibah, but Muslims backbite all the time. Mm-hmm. I said, like, you know, I said, no. I said, it said yeah, I said, it's solved in Islam. It's not solved for the Muslims. Mm-hmm. No, I said, no. I said, no. But he, but he's like, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, you know, Bilal solved that. It's all solved. No, no need to talk about that. <laughs> You know, so <laughs> I, I, I love I love those uncles that come to you after yeah. after you deliver a khutbah. Uh, so so you get all types of people that come to you, and you can relate to this. Yeah, yeah, of course. All types of people come to you, especially when you're in a new community, and you know you you deliver a khutbah, and Allah made it such that it was just quote unquote fire, and uh, <laughs> you got the people saying that you know we loved it, positive feedback and stuff yeah. like that. And then you got that one uncle. 
who thinks like who listened to your entire chutbah, but he's picking one part of the chutbah, yes. and he's like, "Why didn't you mention this? Yeah. Why did you mention this?" <laughs> right? I gave a chutbah about uh, once about, um, and the reason I remember this is because it was one of the first chutbahs I gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about the the Prophet's advice when he came to Adisalat uh, Salam when he came to uh, Medina. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are focusing on uh, 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 advices, uh, uh, how to deal with the community, yeah. right? Uh, join, uh, um, uh, spread salam, uh, feed others, uh, join yeah. ties of kinship, no. like community issues. So he comes to me, he's like, does that mean the prophet only worried about the community and not his house? I'm like, dude, like, did you, is that what you understood from the khutbah? Ajib. Is that what you understood from the khutbah? You know, there's people. Uh, and, and I uh, and I found this out recently. They call people of color Bilalis, and people who are fair in their color or people who are white, they call them Suhaibis. Suhaib, uh, uh, he was uh, Rumi, he was from Faris. Uh, companion of the Prophet, he was known to be fair colored. And Bilal, radiallahu anh, being from Habsha, he was you know obviously dark colored. And uh, so they call them Suhaibis and Bilalis. And I was appalled at this. Mm. I was like, you know, how can you, how can, he's like, no, no. We, we, we give them status. We're, 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 we're talking about them in, in glowing terms. No, no. I was no. like, no, that's not how it works. If people were calling themselves that and identifying themselves as such, then and seeing that as sharaf, that's one thing, but you can't attach that to other people. That's, mm. that's, uh, that's. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> um, when we were talking about biasness, right, and uh-huh. we we, we uh, talked about police brut- brutality um, very briefly, mm-hmm. but um, why is it such that a uh, African American uh, police officer mm-hmm. or any race besides white, or uh, that, that police officer in New York, yeah. uh, I forget his name. Um, you guys know who I'm talking about. He had a beard uh, just a few days ago. Uh, he he was he had his uh, knee on uh, someone's neck as well. Oh yeah oh, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. oh the George Floyd case. No no no. No, no another not. one. Oh oh there's another. One. You mean the old one? The older one. You mean with Eric Garner? That was that was the one that I can't breathe. Was this Eric Garner or this was after after that? But Eric Garner was a, a number of years ago. Yes, yeah. this was after that. Oh, and anyway, it's it's ridiculous. It's so repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, Officers of color, officers belonging to different ethnicities, different races. Why are they as well more prone or more quick to shoot at or to uh, put their knee down on the neck or, or choke out or, or abuse a person of color over a white person? I think it's part of Although the... Although it's their own person. Yeah, yeah. It's I, their own I think people. It's, I think it's part it's, of the, the dehumanizing... Uh, process that takes place that if one grows up in this society and they've given and they're given predominantly positive frames or positive imagery about white people and then there's a lack mm-hmm. of positive portrayals amongst one's own people and then when they look at TV mass media and Hollywood mm-hmm. and they see who primarily is being viewed or shown as the criminals and the crooks or is dangerous then that is uh, uh, absorbed um, and sometimes this breeds inferiority complexes. Um, uh, I don't like I, I don't like using a lot of language from secular sociology, but the, the those who are involved in uh, in that realm they would call this internalized oppression. That basically they take on the the views of their oppressor and begin to view their own people through the lens of the dominant culture that oppresses their people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is and it's so officers who are black and brown have to go through uh, their own forms of of, of, of re-education too um, and, 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 and dare I say there were even some of the Sahaba that went through this as well sure. and mm-hmm. so I will give one example of this is um, of this issue of uh, of, of Sa'ad uh, of Sa'ad al-Aswad um he went to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alaihi wasallam, and there's a similar situation related to Julie Bibb to Radlawan, but it was asked a question about 
uh, you know, can a man like me enter into paradise? Mm -hmm. You know, we are, can can a black man enter paradise? Mm -hmm. Where literally there were like Sahaba that asked this type of question because mm -hmm. they felt bad about themselves and they also were subjected to racism because in these two in these two companions uh nobody would marry their daughters to them because they were black mm -hmm. right and, and actually um julie b was actually described as being short black and ugly mm -hmm. you know by abu barza and described him as as kenna qasiran asudulon damiman he's short black and ugly mm -hmm. like like deformed like ugly mm -hmm. um so even the sahaba had to deal with these types of issues mm -hmm. right and we're, and we're talking about this and the prophet salam had to help them out with that so and um what's it called you know how i was just saying earlier uh to answer your question with the that whole, you know, associating blackness with crime, like like in Sidi Muhammad, this portrayed everywhere in the media, and uh, it's not just reflected on white people. Anyone who consumes this media sees it. And uh, actually, um, going back to Doctor um, Jennifer L. Uh, Averhart and her book, and uh, even Trevor Noah, he he actually asks her about this. In the book, she talks about her 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 son, five year olds. And uh, they, I think they were uh, trying to uh, catch a subway, catch the subway or, or something. They were in like a public area, and there was an African American man, and he had dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. And his and, and her son, she said, I mean, so he said, um, "Mama, that man looks like Daddy." Mm. And then he goes on to say, "I hope he doesn't rob this place." Mm. And then she she was shook, and she said, "Well, why would you say something like that?" And mm -hmm. he said, "I don't know." I just hear about it all the time. So just imagine how dangerous, you know, and, and I don't try to adjust my behavior to make people feel comfortable, mm -hmm. though at the same time, uh, I'm concerned about my own safety. But just imagine someone seeing me walking around. I'm wearing a, a, a topi or a kufi. Mm -hmm. You're wearing a thobe, and I'm black walking around. So, oh, so, so it's the double minority. It's the double danger because you're black on one end, and then Muslim men have been painted as being dangerous as well. So it's like being du double dangerous. Mm -hmm. So it's and so, so I'm kind of like I'm aware of that when I walk around that maybe people perceive me, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm not going to stifle or or suppress who I am just for the the discomfort of people who are operating based upon their 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 false biases mm -hmm. right so. mm -hmm. uh, by the way this officer's name was uh, uh francisco garcia mm. and uh he's nypd and it was donnie wright he was a groundkeeper for uh, one of the housing authorities in new york mm. and uh, mm. uh same thing uh you know when you mentioned that i can't breathe uh yeah when uh, athletes started wearing those shirts, uh, like LeBron, he started wearing, like he was wearing that I can't breathe uh, 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 shirt. Yeah. A lot of people went off on him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> one of the reporters or one of the uh, analysts, he said that, uh, shut up and dribble. Right? Like we, mm. we, you're getting paid to do one thing. Just shut up and do that. And I think that's one reason, too, why LeBron won't be considered the quote-unquote GOAT in comparison to Michael Jordan, because Michael Jordan, you, any of you see the Last Dance? I'm, I'm making my way through. You should it. see it. I'm yeah, yeah, my way I'm so Michael playing. Jordan was apolitical to the point of it being sick. Like, like, I, and I remember. I'm old enough to remember that when this Southern segregationist, this guy Jesse Helms was was running. I mean, he was a senator. It was an African American the first time running against him, and a, a comment came out when they asked him about, you know, well, are you going to support? The Democrat guy, you know, the guy's black, mm -hmm. and he's like, well, you know, Republicans buy shoes too. Mm. So like, he never made any comments like publicly regarding like police brutality, even when the phenomenon came up of people being robbed and killed for Air Jordans when mm -hmm. they got real popular. He wouldn't even make a, a statement of like, don't rob anyone for my shoes, don't shoot anyone for Jordans, mm. right? So he was totally like a, a so, but LeBron on the other hand has made like a number of statements regarding police brutality. But then even like giving back, like I, I drove past the school that he, I you know, built. Yeah, yeah, you know, like he's given, and, and the whole thing about building the school and offering scholarships for people to go to university, he's like really, Allahumma may Allah guide him too. May Allah guide LeBron and Snoop. 
May Allah have them in Tarawih in, in Arbor next year during Ramadan. We open back up, inshallah. I know, I, 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 our rakahs are pretty long. I'm going to start telling you my life sometimes. Them, yeah, inshallah. Well, they could do eight and bounce then. <laughs> Man, I was about to leave when you said the lift line, me. <laughs> Yeah. But we can get them here for a podcast and inshallah. 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 Uh, but uh, good thing about LeBron, he won't have to go bald for uh, Hajj. Yeah. <laughs> but circling back, um, you talked about uh, a number of things that I want to uh, I want to I want to try circling back and recapping. Mm-hmm. Um, you give the example of uh, uh, Julaybib uh, radiyallahu anhu and uh, who was other Sad radiyallahu anhu. Uh, how people wouldn't marry their daughters or wouldn't allow their daughters to get married to them due to the fact that you know they, they had a different skin color mm-hmm. um, I know you're in an interracial marriage mm-hmm. and I know you've dealt with many many interracial marriages yes how did you go on about that and if you know if you don't want to discuss your personal uh, issues but just in general uh, um, from your experience issues people face mm-hmm. and things that happen and how can an individual overcome that? Mm. And let's say an individual is interested in someone from a different race. Okay. How should they go on about that? Okay, so I think there's a couple of... There's, there's <coughs> the, I think sometimes the problems relates to a broader issue. So see, my my being married, it was introduced and facilitated. It wasn't a quote-unquote love marriage. Mm-hmm. So what I find is that a lot of times when people have these problems is that they they meet someone on their own uh, and they're at university or at work and then once they start chatting the person up or talk to them and they find they're interested without going through a wali or without going through parents and then once they get attached then they go and try to introduce the issue to the parents and either one of the parents or both set of the parents are against it whereas in my situation uh, it was a type of like a introductory like arranged type of situation mm-hmm. so it wasn't so it was it was no problem from the start in uh-huh. regards to us being from different backgrounds. <coughs> but I've dealt with it so much as being an imaminous community, and it's not just with uh, Arab and non-Arab, but like I've dealt with issues where South Asians from different parts of the subcontinent. Like mm-hmm. uh, I had to counsel a brother who's of uh, he was born here, but his parents were from Pakistan. He was interested in marrying a sister who's born here. But parents are immigrants from Bangladesh, and the parents from Bangladesh are like, no way. Like, mm. you're not going to know you. You're like, telling her, you're the married Bengali guy. You're not going to marry any, like, Pakistani dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even dealt with an issue, one of the most bizarre, and this isn't racial, more so, but tribal. But I've dealt with the skin color issues, too, the colorism um, within a group. But I've, I've, I've dealt with the issue of uh, this Palestinian family I'm uh, very close to. They want me to intercede on behalf of um, of their son who's interested in marrying this young lady. But they're from different parts of Palestine. So the young lady is from Gaza, mm-hmm. and then his family is from Beit Hanina, which is like in the West Bank. Mm-hmm. So the uh the uh, the Ghazawiya, or that, that the the mother of the from, from Gaza mm-hmm. said that they don't like people from the west bank and from this in this village like they wanted her even though this young lady had never been to Palestine in her entire life she never been to Gaza She's like born and raised like right here like mm-hmm. in in Michigan uh he was born here in Michigan um like like but this is how deep the tribalism gets amongst some of these parents and it's quite uh it's quite unfortunate and i think that uh, in dealing with this issue of the marital crisis in our community that there has to be more education but parents have to get over this like we're not like in a homogenous society when there's only like one type of people like your daughter your son goes to school be it an islamic school or public school with different ethnicities and nationalities they go to university, they go to the masjid, and there's going to be Pakistani and Hyderabadi and Bangladeshi and Sudanese and Somalis and mm-hmm. Iraqis. Like, if they're socialized with these different groups of people, 
that uh, then eventually they someone might catch their eye and if they're a muslim and they're praying five times a day and they're not here getting high and they're able to like you know they they have some adab then like what's the problem at mm-hmm. this point because mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't getting married and sisters are getting up into their 40s and uh i i have I have a long list of like because of single petty s- issues they're not getting mm-hmm. married. Uh, some issues is because some of them chased after their careers and delayed marriage too long, which they basically took themselves out of the market. Just to be frank, but in other issues, I know of several sisters who want to marry nice brothers, and the parents said no only because of nationality and or skin color, uh-huh. like being Syrian. But the parents don't want them. To marry a Sudanese, even though they both speak Arabic, they're both Arab. Uh-huh. But but you know he he's from Sudan, so no. And he's dark skin. Yeah, he's dark skin, and they're very light because they're from Damascus. Okay. I know of these issues personally. I've dealt with, and it's very sad. I, I've dealt with issues where parents say we're fine with it. Yeah. So I'm like, what's the holdup? I don't know if my family's gonna be fine with it. Mm, right. Right. Uh, you know what are people going to say back home <clears throat> what is our extended family going to say I always say this that the the more we let these petty issues uh, become a deterrent for marriage especially when uh, a, a, a guy is interested in a girl or a girl and a girl is interested in a guy and uh, we as a community or we as parents we as family members allow these issues to uh, to uh, uh, stem to such a fact that we don't allow them to, uh, that you know, the marriage doesn't take place, we open the door for zina for them. Yes. And we are responsible mm. for that. Uh, you know, they're, you know, one thing will perhaps and oftentimes does, oftentimes does, leads to another and it ends up in zina, ends up in fornication. Mm. And eventually when, let's say the parents do f- end up finding out, they have no other choice but to go ahead with that marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are responsible for that fornication. And just as that person, the, the people committing the action are going to be responsible. And Allah, I think the parents, the community, the people who didn't allow it to happen will also be responsible. They share the blame. You know, one of my teachers in the Sul Fiqh mentioned this too, is that he said that when parents, and he was speaking specifically, specifically this issue, he said that when parents block the halal they're helping open the door and facilitate the haram for their children when they block the halal when you block the halal if any parents listening if you block the halal for your children you are doing nothing you are closing one door and you're opening up another door so you're closing the door for the for the halal and you're opening the door for the haram and and know that this applies for brothers and sisters as well like your Mm -hmm. own siblings if you do that that applies to them Mm -hmm. as well yeah applies to them as well anyone you got influence over uh sheikh we're running out of time so i want to just uh circle back two questions i want to ask you Mm -hmm. uh how do we deal and how do we rid ourselves of 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 racism that we as muslims in in early we have Mm -hmm. uh and we gotta call it what we you know what it is and how can we change or affect the change in society on a broader scale? What can we do? Okay. The first is muhasaba or self-inventory. And we have to be honest with ourselves. And that's with any issue if we want to have spiritual growth. The other issue is in this spiritual in- introspection that we have to uh, address the issue that of, of inward arrogance. And we know the Prophet وسلم, said, that for every every sickness, there's a cure. Mm-hmm. And our scholars have said that normally that is the inverse. Mm-hmm. So we need to, if we have any arrogance at other people, that we need to invert that arrogance. And part of this is contemplating our own creation and also our own demise. That we all originate from nutfa, from a smelly substance. We all walk this earth uh, every day with feces inside of our bodies and then we are all going to return to the earth and be eaten by worms mm-hmm. right so and you know and, and, and no one and there's no superiority about how a skeleton looks mm-hmm. so we need to like contemplate that also mm-hmm. the socialization how the prophet so and this is for a communal level people may not like this but how the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam dealt with this issue starting with his own family mm-hmm. starting with himself is that he intentionally 
uh, facilitated intertribal, interracial marriages. And for our community, if we're going to move past this, we have to be okay with this issue. I mean, mm-hmm. Abu Bakr Sadiq said that all of the wives of the Prophet were Arabiyat except for Mu'minin Safiya. She came from a Jewish tribe. So mm-hmm. even he was in a, in a racial marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, his cousin uh, Dubai bin Zubair was married to al Miqdad ibn al-Aswad, mm-hmm. right? So all of these things, he facilitated these things, right? Bilal's marriage to Hala, um, all these things. So these are issues that we uh, have to deal with and, and work on on the individual level and the community level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheikh, I appreciate your time. And I appreciate you joining us for episode four of uh, Primitive Thoughts. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Anytime, and, uh, anytime. We uh, appreciate it. We, we, uh, episode goes on a weekly basis. Uh, Mondays at 9. MashaAllah. So, inshallah. Uh, we have social media pages. I'll send you the link as well. Inshallah. Inshallah. So I appreciate your time. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for coming. Alhamdulillah. My pleasure. Sa'ad. Sa'ad. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.